You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Well, Grand Rising, everybody, happy Friday to you. Welcome to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and we got a great Friday lineup for you guys on this fantastic Friday. I also got to say that, I mean, October is killing it when it comes to weather this year. I am loving that the sun is still shining, and we are mid-October, and we are still seeing the sun filling the rays on our bodies. I'm a appreciating the natural vitamin D coming into all of our lives. I just had to say that because I'm like, man, I keep dressing like a regular October and I'm like, oh, I got to take one layer off. So it's a great thing, I think, for all of us over here in the Pacific Northwest who are not quite used to these kinds of sun breaks in October. But welcome. Of course, uh, this is going to be a great show for y'all today. I got Antonisha Toto Jackson in the building. She's going to be telling us all about UNCF and some programs they have going on over there. Excited to dive in with her. And it's Friday for Vanishing Seattle. So Cynthia Brothers is in the building as well. We're going to be learning about all the things that maybe have vanished, things that might be vanishing and some things that are unvanishing. So I'm excited to dive in with her today. But of course, this is the top of the show. So it's a great time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead, share the stream with folks who feel could benefit from daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. And if you can't watch us, go ahead and listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast by searching Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it. We're on all of the platforms. Just search us and you will find us there. Shout out to all of our listeners on the podcast platforms. Um, well, I, I got to say this, you know, I have seen Miss Antonisha Jackson all over community and now she's bringing her brilliance to the United Negro College Fund Let's welcome Miss Antonisha Jackson. Hey. Hey, girl. How you doing? It's <laughs> um, been a minute. I know. Glad I'm back. Yeah. Welcome back. You know <laughs> what I mean? To the, to the couch. How are you doing? I'm good. How you been? I'm good. I've been busy, but good. Same, same. Uh, you know, when I say I've seen you do so many things, I really have. But you are, you know, uh, not new to community and bringing your brilliance out there. And now you've taken it to the United Negro College Fund. Tell us about your role there. All right, guys. So I am the interim director of development here at the Pacific Northwest office of the United Negro College Fund. So we go everywhere from Portland, Vancouver, Idaho, Seattle. Of course, we're all up in there making sure um, gifted minds get scholarships. Wow. This this is exciting for me because, you know, my son's a junior this year. Yes. And so I'm like, hey, anything that he can be doing in terms of scholarships now is the year. Junior year is yes. it. So I'm all about this and definitely will be tapping in after the show to learn more. But tell us about some of the programs y'all have coming up. Um, so one program that we just started, it's been around for a while, but the program just started is the Portfolio Project. And we have that here um, at the Seattle Central Campus um, in the math building. Shout out to Chelsea Berry for that uh, plug. 
Um, and our portfolio project is basically a 13 week program where juniors and seniors come together to work on that portfolio that they're going to be giving to admission counselors when they're applying to college. Um, so that's everything from resumes, SAT prep, learning about FAFSA, what is the college board, all of those things that you might hear around school, but you might not know the details and what that really entails. Um, so we're giving them a crash course on Saturdays, three hours every Saturday. And at the end of that accumulating of the um, project, you can end up with a scholarship. Wow. No, this is really important because this part of the process is where a lot of folks slip through the cracks, a yes. lot of scholars. And it's important for our scholars in the black community to really understand that there are people that have gone through this process that are now here to really help them out. Tell us a bit about how you're bringing your experience into UNCF because you went to uh, HBCU. Shout out to Howard. And the HU. That's the original HU. Me and Cuddy talk about that all the time. Cuddy, I'm telling you, now you got Two of us are, are on the set today, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, you know, tell us a bit about how you're bringing your personal experience into this, because I know connecting with scholars has been something that's really been at the heart of you. You've been in the school system and now you're bringing it here. Tell us a bit about that connection. Yeah. So for me, it's really ties back into community. I felt like um, there was really a need here in Seattle, especially Pacific Northwest, to have a push for HBCUs. Um, we talk about it all the time. A lot of people get stagnant and stuck here. I'm so grateful for my experience in Washington, D.C. because it changed my perspective on life. Um, and so I think I bring that to the team, um, allowing them to see the different experiences that I went through when I was at, in college and I felt alone and by myself and having that connection to a global nonprofit um, like UNCF and being able to teach students, hey, it's going to get tough. It's going to be difficult, but take all those things you learned right here in the CD or South End or North End and, and bring them to a new environment. And um, for me, my Howard experience, even my American University experience, just getting outside of the city changed my life. And so I think that bringing that opportunity to students is something that I'm really excited about. Well, I, you know, I think that it's important to have that layer of passion there mm -hmm. when you're talking about connecting with scholars, particularly those who are looking to now to embark upon a new adventure of their lives. And yeah. you're absolutely right. I'm so grateful that I was able to do that with one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Kalana Barfield. We went from Garfield to Howard together, make that transition because sometimes having a friend there mm -hmm. is a great anchor for you, right? And especially when you talk about leaving Washington State, going all all the way across country to Washington, D.C., and it felt like, oh, my gosh, you know, it, the flights were still expensive. It wasn't like it was easy to just get back home. And so having those anchors is really important. I'm glad that you're bringing that to these young scholars. What are some of the things that you're really hopeful for in terms of what they're going to really take away from this experience in the 13 weeks? In the 13 weeks, they're really going to learn and push themselves. Of course, it's already on a Saturday. So that's a push for teenagers already. Um, but what we're really trying to teach them is just the experience of getting things done on time in a timely fashion um when they get when you get to college as you know there's nobody there to wake you up no there's no alarm clock set your parents are not calling you before your 8 a.m class so you have to have that self-motivation and drive and i think this course really teaches them that and also builds their confidence how am i going to speak to a mission counselor when i tell them about my story and why i deserve a spot here at this university right um whether it's because you have a bad gpa or it's because you didn't do all these extracurriculars there's still a spot for you at that university it's all about how you talk up your own self um, so we really build that inner self-talk. We build up, you know, a variety of things in order for them to succeed. I, I really appreciate that you say that because 
I think things have really changed since I was doing my college application. <laughs> I mean, I have heard about the competitiveness oh, yes. now. Yes. It has gone up like tenfold. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with me having a two sons, I'm like, okay, how do I ensure that they are ready for that? Yes. You know, in terms of my parental role here, right? Yeah. But you are absolutely right. So much of this is on them. Yeah. Like they have to have that drive and they have to want it enough to prioritize it in their lives amidst all the other things that may be going going on, especially now with all of the distractions with social media mm-hmm. and all of the di- major different platforms. I think it's important that, you know, that this program is a good anchor for them. And so when, when you think about what, what is the logistics here? When does the program start? How do people get involved? What are some of those logistics? So we um, just started about two weeks ago. We still have some spots left. So if you are interested, please check out the UNCF um, Seattle website um, and scroll on to Portfolio Project. Um, Portfolio project, they pretty much, they meet on Saturdays, like I said, um, that's 12 to 3.30. Um, and they're able to get those things done as well as work with mentors. So each person gets a mentor. That mentor is going to not only help them on Saturdays, but do a weekday follow-up call. We have homework, of course. So last week we were talking about the college board. We had students find five colleges that they would be interested in. And if you haven't been on the college board website, it's a lot different from when we were on that website. Um, we talked about the Common App. Um, which is really popular now, but it wasn't as popular back in the day. There's way more schools on the Common App than ever before. And that just is a cheaper way for you to apply for schools. Um, so logistically, it's really about grinding through these 13 weeks. And at the end of the 13 weeks, like I said, they have a cumulative where they're able to do a speech. Um, and we have different people, admission board members, um, principals, directors come listen, and then we get out some scholarships. Wow. So this is already underway. I'm yes. glad you guys still have slots available. You yes. know, I'm taking Taking this straight to my son today. Saturday's uh, tomorrow, so yeah. be ready. We're, and we're also virtual and in person. We decided to do a hybrid this year just because we wanted to get back in touch with students face to face. So we have a campus here again, like I said, at Seattle Central, and then we also have one in Portland at Warner Pacific. Wow. Um, so we have students from Idaho. Um, 30 plus students in Portland, um, 50 plus students and a variety of our students are from all over Seattle. So it's Garfield, it's Franklin, it's Rainier Beach, it's the North End, it's Cleveland, all of our students coming together, which is really cool because a lot of times you don't get to interact with students from different schools. So Mm. it's cool to have that vibe. Yeah, it really is. And I think those connections, again, they can create long lasting friendships that, you know, you never know, you may meet somebody here, you guys are interested in the same college, you guys both get accepted, Yeah, yeah, end up on campus together. Now you have a connection, right? Well, I, I'm so grateful that you were here to give us all this information and, and shout out to you. Congratulations on this new role yes. over there at UNCF. I know that they are happy to have you because I know you hit the ground running with <laughs> your experience and your passion for scholars. So thank you so much for being here today. Yes. And I just wanted to plug our um, college tour and uh, career fair, mm-hmm. which is going to be this Sunday, um, October 16th at the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. Um We'll have colleges from around the country, including Howard. Um, We'll have Alaska, um, Amazon, all of our sponsors, Essentia is going to be there. So just a great way to tap into some of these corporations early um, and get get in their ear because internships come around real fast. Yeah, they do. And, you know, again, making those connections, being ready to sell yourself for these opportunities is really a part of the deal. So that Sunday, Seattle Exhibition is at the Seattle Seattle Center Center Exhibition Exhibition Hall. Yep. Okay. And what time is that? Um, It starts at 10, but we're going to be going till 4 p.m. So slide by. All right. Well, you guys heard it all right there from Miss Antonisha Jackson. Sounds like they have an amazing 13-week program, you know, geared towards juniors and seniors in high school that are looking to really 
prepare themselves for the next level of their scholastic career. And of course, if, if you can't do that, please make sure you tap in on Sunday. Uh, they're going to be there from 10 to 4 p.m. Make sure you guys go to Seattle Center Exhibition Hall and check out, you know, what they have going on with this college and career fair. All of these things are so important to bring information and awareness to our scholars so that they can get those connections early. You guys know I'm going to be taking this to my son. So I hope you guys have been inspired to learn more. And if you guys know of a scholar that you have in your family or neighborhood scholars, make sure they know about these opportunities. Well, coming up next, we got Cynthia Brothers from Vanishing Seattle. We're going to be learning all things about what's vanishing, what's staying, what's unvanishing. What can we get engaged with? Stay tuned after this short break, y'all. You're watching The Day with Trey. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Trey Holiday, and I am so excited that Converge Media is doing another takeover at Paramount Theater. That's right. We're going to be there on the 24th and 25th of this month, and I am elated because we have a great relationship with STG and the whole team at Paramount, so I'm so excited for that. And y'all know this is personal for me because my daddy would be so proud to see his daughter's name on the marquee one again. One of the big moments that we were able to share before he passed was when he saw me right there on that stage presenting me with flowers. He and my mother so proud of all the things that I've been able to do and Paramount is a major part of that. So please join us you guys on the 24th and 25th. Get your tickets today by going to whereweconverge.com backslash Paramount. Be a part of our live studio audience as we make history once again. Community, it's been three years since we've been able to celebrate in person at our annual Evening of Choice. And this year at Axis and Pioneer Square on October 19th at 6 p.m., we will be back together again, celebrating our journey, healing towards justice. This past couple of years have been incredibly difficult for our young people and our community at large. And one thing that has become clear and absolutely true is there's one way forward that brings all of us together, and that's as we heal. And when our young people heal, they're truly able to become who it is they've been purposed to be. So on this evening, you'll hear stories of our young people, hear the evolution of our organization as we emphasize healing in our cause. And together we will celebrate another year of impact and growth as we journey towards justice together. Again, it's at Access in Pioneer Square, 6 p.m. on October 19th, and live streaming will be available through YouTube at iChoose18. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And joining me right now, Miss Cynthia Brothers from Vanishing Seattle. What's up? Hey, Trey. Welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have another episode with Vanishing Seattle on this amazing Friday. Thank you for being here. Thank uh, you so much for having me again. Yeah, I mean, always. And it sounds like we got a lot to dig into. It's You know, what's interesting to me is that we could do this every month and there's all it's never like, oh, I don't have anything this month. You always have stuff going on. Tell us a bit about some of these spots. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no lack of places to talk about. And it's actually hard to choose which ones sometimes because there's so many. But yeah, so this week, um, I'll start off with uh, Viet Hoa, which uh, was an Asian supermarket on Jackson in Little Saigon. And um, they just closed on September 30th. They've been around for over 40 years. Opened in 1981 by Duc Tran and his family. And um, he came to Seattle as a refugee from Vietnam and started helping folks in the community. And that led to him opening uh, this uh, Vietnamese grocery store that then expanded 
um, to provide affordable, uh, culturally um, relevant products and produce for a lot of different Asian countries. Um, yeah, so they closed the store because of, uh, you know, effects from the pandemic, um, labor shortage, lack, lack of um, customers, but also just, you know, the environment of and challenges of being a small business and the rising property taxes, uh, cost of doing business. So that site's going to be redeveloped into, I think, a couple um, seven-story apartment buildings. And it wasn't just the Viet Hoa that was in that area, which was the Asian Plaza. Um, about two-thirds of that plaza is going to be redeveloped, and it was home to over a dozen small businesses and nonprofits um, that are going away or having to find new locations. And historically, that building in that area before Viet Hoa was part of Nihonmachi of Japantown, also part of like that jazz corridor that ran down Jackson. It was owned by and designed by Japanese-American families. Um, so yeah, there are just an outpouring of comments and memories on this post of um, folks who grew up shopping there. I grew up shopping there with my family, people who go there like multiple times a week or every week after church and play the arcade games while their parents shopped. And so it was really nice to read through those comments, but also bittersweet. Um, and the family is hoping to um, take a break and then look for another location nearby to reopen. And I hope that they're successful. I know it's probably hard to find um, land in that area. Um, and they do also have a rent location, which is going to stay open. Wow. I mean, you, you, you said it right there. That was a spot my grandma would go mm -hmm. shop, right? It was just, you know, uh, literally in terms of connection to black community, Chinatown has always been like right there near the central district. So as a child, I didn't realize it was just a part of, you know, mm -hmm. the experience I had growing up. My grandma would go there, get, get different produce and meats. And, and she was very specific about how she would shop. Right. So it'd be like, I'd be like, Graham, why are we going here? She's like, oh, no, this is the only place I can get X, Y, Z. Right. Mm -hmm. So so that for me is where I'm like, oh, not Viet And it's unfortunate because you think about now, okay, where else can you go to find similar products? There are several different op options, but it's it's the connection again to the families, to the people. My grandma would go there. People knew her name. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, they were used to seeing her, particularly when when we were living in the Central District. And I know for for me, when I think about Viet Hoa in spaces like Viet Hoa, particularly in Chinatown, my grandmother will still be like, okay, you're going to be over there because my office is right up Jackson. She'll ask me to pick up stuff yeah. still <laughs> to this day because uh -huh. there's she can't find what she's yeah. looking for or it's the price, right? She's like, no, if I get it over here, they don't cut the meat, right? I need it, you know, over here. So there's some real specialties that come with these spaces. And, you know, I don't want us to ever lose sight of those specialties because yes, there could be a big market over here or in South King County, we have like H Mart and there's a lot of, you know, Asian culture out there as well. But my grandma will still be like, hey, I need to go there. So uh, I'm going to have to tell her this one. It's going to be heartbreaking for her, I'm sure, yeah. as it was for so many. But you said it there too. There's also some, you know, positivity in reading just the comments of mm -hmm. people, you know, with their, you know, outpouring of love and sharing how that space was special to them. Mm -hmm. I know that means a lot. What else yeah. we got? Yeah. So um, another spot that is closing tomorrow, unfortunately, is the Highland Ice Arena. 
in Shoreline. So not technically Seattle, but a lot of Seattle area families um, have gone there. I don't know if like you went there um, growing up. I remember some like middle school trips yeah. <laughs> going there and like almost, you know, breaking my face. Um, but that's been open since 1962. And back when Shoreline wasn't even Shoreline, it was called Richmond Highlands. Mm -hmm. And it was opened by Dorothy and Jim Stevens, who were from Canada and were both active in ice sports. I think Dorothy was in the ice capades and she met her husband-to-be on tour. Um, so they built that arena on that vacant lot on Aurora in the early 60s and ran their business, raised their family there, started um, a lot of different clubs were teachers and mentors and just nurtured this um, space where probably hundreds of thousands of students and families and kids have passed through. Um, and I think another thing that makes it special as I kind of dug more into it and was talking to folks there is that it's not, you know, we have like the new Kraken Arena and <laughs> Highland is not that, you know, it's got character, it's kind of worn in, it's endearing, it's not shiny and new, and it's also... Um, the most affordable rink in the area. So that's led to a lot of folks who are typically underrepresented in hockey and figure skating on the ice being present at Highland. And they would set price points that were um, affordable. There was a hockey league there called the Little Island that was there for 20 years and has been described as the UN of hockey. And that's because the family kind of intentionally set that um, relationship. So yeah, their last day is tomorrow, um, but they will be opening it back up on October 22nd for anybody from the community that wants to go from, I think it's from th three to six to do like a last skate event. And um, I'm also working on a audio series to kind of uh, do a deeper dive into the stories and the people that are attached to that space. So. Yeah, a long time, 60, <laughs> 60 years. Yeah. And and for them is uh, you know, is it a lot of the same, you know, reasons for closing that we've experienced with other spaces? Yeah, I think it's some of just the same pressures, just you know, the challenges of running a small business, um, the pressures on uh just land development, um, the high costs. Um, I think, you know, probably they're uh, like the Kraken Arena might have drawn some folks away. So I think, you know, it's been Dorothy and Jim Stevens just passed away recently and they were like 99 and 100 years old. So yeah. I think their, um, their son might continue on um, like a skate repair portion, but it just seemed like it was, you know, just it was a lot. It was difficult. So um, yeah, it's going to be sold for a redevelopment. Man, I mean, you know, some of these spaces, it's like you think about the opportunities missed, right? And, you know, for particularly when you talk about opening up opportunities for, you know, ice sports, right? Uh, I was talking about this recently, how, you know, now that we have a major hockey team, how do young black children see themselves in hockey when there's like a point to representation or something of them in the sport. And, you know, it's, it's to hear that this space was intentional about that because this was not something new. It wasn't a new phenomenon just because now we have the crack it. Now we see all of these things. No, they understood this concept. Right. And so to open it up for folks to do figure skating and hockey and to be intentional about price points for families that really, you know, young, young folks, 
folks want to participate, but that cost can be prohibitive, mm-hmm. right? So, I, I, you know, it's unfortunate that there won't be another space uh, like this arena in, in specifically. And so how do, you know, professional arenas, how do they fill the void, right? And, and, and maybe take on some of that intentionality that they started here at this arena and say, you know what, we need to be really intentional in, in certain ways that we provide programs for, you know, underrepresented populations and for, you know, um, low income families to really see themselves here. I think that's really critical. But, you know, again, I, I'm glad that they're going to be open tomorrow. It sounds like they're going to have another event where people can come and participate for a one last skate. I might have to look into that because, yeah. you know, you know, I, you're right. Like <laughs> I, now, I, you know, ice skating wasn't always the easiest thing. But, you know, once you get the hang of it, how much fun is it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would love to be able to give my sons that experience. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It is a real blast. And like you said, like the Happy Island Hockey League, for example, it's like they're not sure where they're going to go. Yeah. Like they might just have to fold after 20 years. And there's people from Ecuador. There's folks from Korea. There's a woman who reached out to me from Mexico who wasn't able to skate before because she couldn't afford it. But then she got her start at Highland and now is competing back in Mexico. Wow. And, you know, people met their spouses and their best friends and their kids and grandkids went on to skate there. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is a thing. It's like, what is being lost? Is there something, is there a space that's going to come in and replace it where people can go? And I think that is questionable. Still, yeah, yeah, still up in the air. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Oh, what else we got? Any any things on the upswing? Yeah. Things we can- <laughs> Are we doing um, City Peoples? Are we going to the oh, yeah, okay. varsity? Yeah. Do we have time for? Yeah, we got time for them both. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So um, another place that may be vanishing that definitely could use some help is City People's Garden Store in Madison Valley. Um, they've been around since 1988, I think, and have a huge outdoor nursery, all things gardening, do free classes and programs. Um, they've got some staff that have been there for over 30 years. And their land was bought by an out-of-state developer in 2016. And there was a community effort to try and push back against that and try to, um, yeah, basically save it from redevelopment. And it went all the way up to the hearing examiner, went through this legal process and um, looked like they had a ruling in their favor. And then it was later reversed, basically meaning that the developer is now able to um, yeah, tear it down and uh, build apartments. And I think a PCC is <laughs> slated oh. to go in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think basically for them to survive, um, they need to find another space. And because they're a garden store and they have this whole big outdoor nursery, um, they need like a pretty sizable chunk of land. So they're really looking for folks if they... Um, know of some land or want to help them to purchase, um, I definitely encourage folks to reach out to City People's Garden Store because without that, they're probably just going to have to um, shutter their doors permanently at the end of the year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's... It's just unfortunate, you know, mm-hmm. and it's such a unique space too when you talk about the nursery and everything else. I mean, yeah, I- I'm glad that you're bringing this to light. So if anybody out there has any contacts, you know, any connections, um, any spaces that you feel may be available or really fit the needs for city peoples, please reach out to them. You know, we want to do what we can to really save these kind of spaces. And this is where we get the opportunities to step up and really be a part of the solution. What else we got? We got varsity. 
Yeah. So this is a not vanishing spot that's Yay. been around. <laughs> <Woo -hoo. laughs> um, I think they've been around since the mid nineties. I want to say 95. It's a family owned women and Latino owned diner in Wallingford area. Um, it's actually owned by some longstanding staff, like the former cook and server. Um, Rogelio Galicia and Patricia Turpin. And it's just one of these places that's really warm and inviting and low key, um, really good food, big portions, classic diner food, but they also have rotating um, Mexican specials as well. And it's just a very diverse cross section of people that go there, all different ages, um, UW students, families, elders who will gather and have like really close relationships with the staff. Like I guess um, Patty was sharing that she's gone on vacations with some of her regulars. Um, one of them took like the old varsity and sign and installed it in their on the roof of their house. <laughs> and it's just, you know, a place that you can tell people have been going there for years and years and built some really strong relationships. So as far as I know, uh, they're going strong and not going anywhere. And um, people really have a lot of love for varsity and restaurants. So definitely encourage folks to to support them and check it out. Well, you know, I love those things that are not vanishing. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. So a shout out to everybody who's still supporting Varsity. And if you haven't gone there, go check it out. You know, take some friends, have some dinner, have some lunch, breakfast, whatever you need. But go there to Varsity Inn and support this amazing community space. It sounds like they have some good food. So, you know, we can yeah. all we, we all need to eat. Yeah. You know, we should all be supporting spaces like that. What's the last one we got on the docket today? Yeah. So the last one is an unvanished or unvanishing place, which, you know, I always love <laughs> to talk about. Um, so it's the Beacon Studio, which is a massive monkey space. Yeah. And Converge and Vanishing Seattle, we partnered on a short film a couple years ago that um, chronicled the massive monkeys and the Beacon Studio space that um, they used to have in the International District on King Street. And they had to vacate that space during the pandemic. Um, so I encourage folks to, you know, check out that video that has some of the history of the space of Massive Monkeys just being this, you know, hometown heroes, uh, B-boy and B-girl crew and um, dance collective that's got immense, not just local, but like worldwide impact from classes to workshops to competitions to, you know, opening their space for community organizing. Um, so yeah, so they've, you know, haven't had their space for over two years and they just recently announced that they did find a new location on Rainier, just south of Dearborn. Um, they do have a lot of, you know, construction costs and they have to build out the space. So they are asking for some help in the form of donations. Um, if folks are able to contribute or just to, you know, support and follow along, they're going to be announcing their fall class schedule soon as well. So if you go to... Um, Massive Monkeys or Beacon Studio social media, or you go to Vanishing Seattle's page, there's more information and links to donate as well. So some really, really good news <laughs> coming from Massive oh. Monkeys and Beacon Studio. Well, that's fantastic. What an amazing update. Thank you so much for being so close to all of the things that are going on in our city. And shout out to Massive Monkeys. Uh, you know, again, as, as Cynthia said there, make sure we tap in so that this space can be saved. It's really on us. 
to to be engaged and be involved. That's why I really appreciate our Vanishing Seattle Fridays to really bring this information to other people. And you already have such a massive platform on social media. So a lot of folks are tapping in there. But I love that you bring it to our audience here every single time. Thank you again for being with me today. Thank you so much, Trey. Thanks so much for having me on and just, you know, all the work that you're doing in the city and in the community too. And I just, yeah, love coming on to share it with folks. All love here all the time. Oh, you guys stay tuned right after this short break. We're going to be recapping and wrapping up this fantastic Friday episode. Stay tuned. You guys are watching the David Trey. Basically, fam, believe in giving. Like, we have to be willing to give more. And people seem to always think giving means money. But nah, bro. It's like you can give time. You can give understanding. You can give access. You can give a listening ear and an open heart. You can give and share your God-given gifts and talents. But you just got to give. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And of course, this has been a fantastic week back from all of my travels. I want to just give everybody from this week a huge shout out. All of my guests have really, really cemented so much more of the reason why I do this. And as I have life experiences that take me all over the world and everything else, it's just a blessing to have this as my home, to come back here this week and connect with all of you out there in the audience, all of our podcast listeners, and all of the guests that have been on today. Special shout out, of course, to Antonisha Toto Jackson with UNCF. And, you know, she's now taking her passion over there to make sure that young scholars are prepared for the next step in their scholastic careers. Make sure you guys check out the uh, college and career fair going on this Sunday at Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. They're going to be there from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you have young scholars that need to get connected to some of these colleges, make sure they come out. Special shout out to their sponsors for making that happen. And of course, a good shout out to my friend, Cynthia Brothers with Vanishing Seattle for being with us today, telling us about some spaces that unfortunately are going to be gone, but there's always hope at the end of the tunnel uh, when we talk about the spaces that are gonna still be here and things that we can do to ensure that some of these spaces are here. And y'all know for me, I just want y'all to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. The more of us who are doing that, the better our world becomes. I want to thank all of you for tuning in with me this week. And of course, for me, until Monday at 11 a.m. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.